Amen, amen. Let's give it up for our praise at home. You can give up for the praise team and uh, for the few of you back there, we will as well. Thank you guys for serving and thank you for leading our people in worship. We truly believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So grace, mercy, and peace to you uh, from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, once again, it is so good to be uh, in worship with you today. Uh, welcome again if you're just tuning in to worship. Uh, whether you're at home or whether you're in the car or in your backyard, wherever you are, I want you to be reminded that that place that you are is holy uh, because God is with you and you are worshiping Him with His people today. I just want to say I love that and I'm grateful for that and I want to remind you that you need this time right now, that you were created for this time. It's the rhythm. It's the rhythm that God has established for us to work and to rest. Uh, once a week we do that and it's part of the rhythm of life and being God's people. And so I personally want to say thank you and I'm glad that you've made this time a priority. I know that during this season of life, uh, for some of you, you've been quite isolated, and it can be really hard right now. Uh, you feel confined, maybe almost even imprisoned a bit. And when we go through times like that in our life, we ask ourselves, what am I going to hold on to? What am I going to hold on to during this season? And that applies to all sorts of things, right? Uh, what will I hold on to during a job loss or a job change or a divorce or a marriage problem or a crisis at uh, work or in my family or in a friendship or a relationship problem during an identity crisis, during a disease that I have or my family member has or a loved one has, during death, during isolation, during political upheaval, during racial strife, during a pandemic, during any transition, during any hardship, during any tough time, we have to ask ourselves, what do we hold on to? Talking about tough times, we have a tough time shown in our epistle lesson. And I want you to imagine this. Imagine that if you were in prison right now. 2,000 years ago, St. Paul, he was imprisoned unjustly, most people would say, because of his faith in Jesus Christ. If you were imprisoned unjustly, what would you hold on to? What would your priorities be? What would you hold on to so that you could live, so that you could thrive, so that you could even live life in a helpful, productive, meaningful way during an overwhelming, difficult time. It reminded me of an article I read uh, a while ago about a man who had been falsely accused. Uh, a witness had lied in court, and so he was falsely imprisoned for a murder that he did not commit. He spent decades behind bars. He was finally freed when the witness finally admitted that they were not telling the truth. What did he hold on to during those decades of false imprisonment? What did he hold on to to get by, to live, to thrive even? It got me thinking about our sermon series, especially our reading from Ephesians for uh, today. What do we hold on to? What do we hold on to the most in our lives, especially during times of difficulty, at times of transition, times of change, times that we've never experienced before? And really, that's what we've been talking about. That's what we've been tackling all summer long with our sermon series, Holding On. Acts 2.42, right? It says, they devoted themselves. And that word, devoted themselves, it's one word. In the original language there, it's a phrase that means to persist, to persevere, to continue, and to hold fast, to, to hold on. It's what we do. We hold on 
like the early church and Christians ever since they've held on. Acts 2.42 says what they hold on to, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They held on to the apostles' teaching. They held on to fellowship. They held on to the breaking of bread. And they held on to prayer. And then at the end of that section, it says something powerful in Acts 2.47. It says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You might say that they held on to addition or they held on to multiplication, that they held on to the goal of more, more people receiving salvation daily, every day. And my friends, that's exactly what Jesus came to do. Jesus uh, had just explained to them after he rose from the grave and appeared to them in Luke, Luke chapter 24, verse 45, says these words that Jesus opened their minds. This is to the disciples. After he appeared, he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. I love that. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We just talked about this at the beginning of the service. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. My friends, Jesus is saying, you're the ones. You're the ones that are going to tell everyone about this, that forgiveness of sins isn't just for Jewish people, but it was for all nations. It was for all people. It was for every human being created in the image of God. That's the mission. That's what we hold on to. And that's what the Apostle Paul leads us to Today in Ephesians chapter 3, Pastor Tim picks out this epistle lesson. It's really powerful and great. Check out what uh, the Apostle Paul says. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1, he says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. All right, so check this out. Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesian Gentile believers, and he's writing it from prison. He's unjustly imprisoned. He's imprisoned because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, in some ways, it reminds me of that man I was telling you about, the man I mentioned earlier who was imprisoned because of a false witness. You see, one of the biggest things that he held on to for those decades in prison was he held on to helping other people. He knew what it felt like to be wrongly accused. And so he helped others that had been wrongly accused. He educated himself on the law, and he basically became a de facto attorney behind bars. And he helped other people. He helped other people find a legal way to have their concerns addressed. He helped a bunch of people find justice, find hope, find life again. He held on to helping others while he was unjustly imprisoned. My friends, the Apostle Paul was unjustly in prison. And he too, he kept his focus not on his cell, on himself, but on helping others, despite the terror of his circumstances. And you have got to admire a faith like that. It's something I often think about. I wonder about, would I be able to live like St. Paul if I had been imprisoned unjustly for my faith in Jesus Christ to focus on others in those circumstances? Paul said, Ephesians 3.1, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. 
See, Paul said to the Gentile Ephesians, he said, I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm a prisoner because of my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm a prisoner for your sake, for the benefit of you. He says it again in verse 2 differently. He says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. God's gift, God's grace, Paul says, was given to me for you. One of my mentors once said to me that the gifts that God gives to us, the grace that God gives to us is always to be used for the benefit of others. And as Paul tells us in Ephesians 3, that grace is to be made known for all, for all others, just as Jesus explained it, forgiveness to all nations. Verse 3, he says this, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly, In reading this, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. My friends, the mystery, the mystery is Christ, that in Christ, the Gentiles aren't just blessed by the Jewish people, but that in Christ, they become heirs. You become heirs. We become heirs. We are the Gentiles. It means we get the full deal. We get the full inheritance. We get the full benefit. We are members of one body, one family, brothers and sisters sharing together in the promise of Jesus Christ. My friends, at that time, It was completely radical and huge for Paul to say these things, for Jesus to say these things, for this to come alive in the church. You can see, sure, there were some God-fearing Gentiles at the time. There were some converts to Judaism, but they had to follow a bunch of laws and a bunch of regulations, and they had to do all sorts of things to sort of get in to the club. But they were never truly on the inside. Paul is communicating what Jesus had been communicating, that the Gentiles... The Gentiles who believe in Jesus Christ and the Jewish people who believe in Jesus Christ are one. One body, one family, co-heirs. Now, it sounds all good in a sermon, and and then as I'm preaching it, that sounds great. But the reality was tough. It was so tough to be lived out because, you see, we as sinful people, we don't always like people who are different than us. Often that's rooted in fear, Control, insecurity, ultimately sin and brokenness in our lives. And it manifests in all the isms of prejudice, ethnocentrism, sexism, ableism, ageism, classism, racism, prejudice of all kinds. And my friends, St. Peter himself, St. Peter fell prey to this. The Apostle Paul, who was especially called to minister to the Gentiles, he confronted Peter. He called out Peter for his prejudice against the Gentiles. In Galatians, St. Paul writes this. He says this in verse 11 of Galatians 2. When Cephas, or Peter, that's his name, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and he began to separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. 
And when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, I said to Peter, in front of them all, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force the Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? My friends, this is big time. Paul was confronting Peter. Peter was allowing prejudice to seep deep into his heart. And that prejudice affected his actions, which led other leaders astray, even Barnabas. And it was all because of fear. Fear of what others would say. I mean, this is Peter and Paul. These are the pillars of the New Testament church. And Paul had to call out Peter for the way he was treating the Gentiles with prejudice. He said to Peter, Peter, you're not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Peter, what are you holding on to? Peter, hold on to the mission. Hold on to the gospel. Hold on to the good news of Jesus. Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Jesus, who told us to tell all nations about the forgiveness that is for all of them. Jesus, who died for all nations. Jesus, who fulfilled the law for all nations. Paul said, Peter, you're not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, Paul says about this gospel, he says, I became a servant. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. And then he says, although I am less, I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. This gift was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Now, why does uh, St. Paul call himself the least of all of the Lord's people? He says that because he had killed Christians. He had persecuted Christians. He had imprisoned them unjustly. And Jesus called him to a new life on a Damascus road, and his entire trajectory of his life changed. He had persecuted the church, and then he turned to advocating for the church. I mean, did Paul, did Paul ever know the grace of Jesus? He didn't preach from book learning. He didn't preach from his pedigree. He didn't preach from accomplishments of fulfilling the law. He preached from a place of deep evil and brokenness. He had killed and murdered Christians. And he was redeemed by the grace of Jesus. It's why he says he's the least and it's why he says that it was pure gift of grace to preach Christ, to preach Christ to the Gentiles. And in verse 9, he says, and to make plain, to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there, but let's focus on verse 12. He says, in him, in Jesus, and through faith in him, through faith in Jesus, we, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. My friends, there is no prejudice there and that little word we it's the biggest we in the world 
It's a we that equals Jew and Gentile, male and female, poor and rich, abled and disabled, young and old, and everything in between, every culture, every race, all peoples, all nations. We, he says. The biggest we in the history of the world, the most inclusive we actually ever stated in humanity. Ephesians 3.12, we, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's our mission. Our mission is to make that we include all people, all nations, and it's what we hold on to. We hold on to that mission even in the hardest of times. Kind of like the man who became a de facto attorney behind bars. Kind of like Paul who wrote and preached to the Gentiles even while unjustly imprisoned. Kind of like Paul who confronted Peter's prejudice despite what everyone else would think and the fear of not being accepted. Kind of like the countless people that continue to look to the needs of others during this pandemic, during this time of economic, racial, and political strife. May we, as the people of God, I pray, I pray that we as the people of God, that we as the church, hold on to that mission and not hold on to fear that leads to prejudice and exclusion, but hold on to the mission of God May we, as the body of Christ, embrace all nations, all peoples, everyone created in the image of God and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. You are witnesses of these things. Amen. I'd like to invite the van to come on back up. And as they're coming up, I'd just like to remind you uh, that we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper shortly. So I invite you, if you have not already, uh, to get the elements ready, to get the bread ready and the wine ready. Uh, if you don't have those elements, I encourage you just to listen and to pray. And the next time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, uh, please be prepared for that. Uh, check the emails and the announcement of that. But one of the things that the early church held on to, that they devoted themselves to was the breaking of bread, right? Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. They held on to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That breaking of bread, it points us to the Lord's Supper, to God's people gathering together, united in his forgiveness that is delivered in the bread and the wine, the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for all people. In a moment, we're going to sing for the sake of the world. And I really encourage you to pray those words, sing those words from your heart, because they're all about really holding on to the mission, everything we've talked about in the message today. And after we sing, after we pray those words, after we come to the Lord in prayer, we will hold on to the breaking of bread. We will celebrate the Lord's Supper together.